Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. And welcome back into the Bama on three show. This is your host, Clint Lamb, sitting here once again with Jimmy Stein. Jimmy, it's Thursday, man. How we feeling? Great. It's the start of the new college football weekend starting today as we record this and i'm fired up about north carolina and pittsburgh Uh, i know it's not directly related to alabama but we get gypped during the the football season on thursday night football we always get some you know frankly not a good game you know from the sun belt or conference usa or something um but but tonight we have a legitimate two really good teams a top 25 team in pittsburgh a good team in north carolina both have frontline NFL prospects at quarterback and Kenny Pickett and Sam Howell. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm literally counting down the minutes to Pittsburgh and North Carolina tonight. So you can say I'm excited about the football weekend for sure. Absolutely. And and not only is it North Carolina and Pitt, you also got the Miami Dolphins and the Baltimore Ravens with a couple of Alabama players. We don't know if, if two is going to play. Uh, he's still dealing with that finger issue. Hopefully he'll be able to. That will make the game a lot more appealing to Alabama fans. So, you know, a good night for football, and then we're going to carry on over into the weekend. Now, granted, Alabama-New Mexico State um, wouldn't say it's the most appealing game when you really look at uh, what the Aggies are bringing to the table. Very different Aggies team than the one that Alabama faced earlier this year on the road in College Station. Not really – I mean, I'm trying to, you know, their passing offense is top 25 in the country. Uh, they So Alabama secondary, 
you know, might be tested a little bit, but they don't have a complimentary run game. They, they give up a lot of sacks. They don't produce a, a lot of, uh, you know, big plays on defense ranked at or near the bottom in a lot of statistical categories. Jimmy, I mean, I'm guessing that you haven't looked extensively into New Mexico state and that's completely understandable. I haven't either. It's been very surface level, but uh, is there anything that stands out to you as far as, you know, this, the game this weekend? Cause what we're going to be talking about today is what we want to see from Alabama. But before we get started with that, anything from New Mexico state side, I believe they throw it a little bit. And, uh, and, and one thing that is a little interesting based on what Alabama had problems with a week ago, I think they're a, aggressive defense that blitzes quite a bit and that's good that's good we need some looks at that I mean the the best thing that can happen not as being challenged we don't want a, a fourth quarter game where it's 21 to 17 uh we'll, we'll be making national news if that happens we don't want that but what we would like is something that serves the team better than a normal afternoon practice that would be great I mean you do improve one percent at a time at practice but you can pers- you know you can improve tenfold in a game situation. So that's what I'd like to see New Mexico State present some things that make Alabama work for it, that make Alabama think that challenges Alabama where there's been issues in the past. That would be great. But they're not a good team at all. I think they're down there in the bottom three. I think the only teams worse than New Mexico State are UMass and UConn. Uh, That's not good company. This is not a good team. Um, I think Alabama's something like a 50 52, 53 point favorite. Uh, I, I would guess even that Alabama is going to cover that line. And I'm not expecting Alabama to play great. It's 11 a.m. It's a nameless opponent. Uh, you know, it's it's looking forward to Arkansas. It's looking forward to Auburn. Uh, it's an anxiety ridden team, as Saban says all the time. Uh, I, I can kind of see Alabama not playing great, but Alabama doesn't have to play great to win this game by seven touchdowns. They really don't. And to some degree, I think it's good that this game has popped up. Maybe, maybe it's kind of a get-right game. I think they can tinker with some things. Now, granted, if Nick Saban heard us talking about this stuff, he'd probably get upset because it's assuming that you're going to beat the opponent and it's assuming that you're going to be in a position to play or get into your depth quite a bit and try some things out. And so would never want to say this directly to him. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're covering the sport. We're covering the team. It's kind of our job to talk about what we think is going to happen in the game and then also talk about, you know, when this game's like this and, and really there's, you know, we're not going to be, you know, we're not, we're not going to blow steam up anybody's tails, you know, talking about we think that New Mexico State can cause Alabama problems. If it does happen, it's going to be completely unexpected. Um, so we're just going to go ahead and approach it like the, the betting line. Vegas, we're going to follow Vegas's lead and just assume what they're saying is accurate and or fairly accurate and that's, you know, going to be a blowout. But there's a lot to focus on for Alabama because, you know, you're talking about the center competition that Nick Saban brought up yesterday. You talk about the fact that we think that Damian George is going to be the starting right tackle. What does that mean? Um, I think for Alabama's pass rush, it, it's it's interesting because you do have, you know, a pretty good passing game with New Mexico State. And not only are you get your, you've gotten Drew Sanders one more week further along in his recovery from the hand injury, I want to see what his reps look like. I want to see how he performs getting back out on the field. And then I also want to see more of Dallas Turner. And if it ends up, you know, being uh, Drew Sanders and uh, Will Anderson Jr. the two starters, more than likely you're still going to see some Dallas Turner and more than likely you're going to see Dallas Turner further into the game. So I want to see what he does after having that two-sack performance last week and can he build on that and really start to become a consistent pass rusher or, or an exterior threat for Alabama's defense 
this is a defense that's heading in the right direction. It's an offense that, you know, based off of the LSU game, is heading in the wrong direction. But there are some things that they can do to kind of remedy the, the, the issues that they have. So talk a little bit about both the offense and the defense and kind of just some of the things that you're looking for this weekend. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Dallas Turner, you know, it, and with all the angst after the LSU game and everybody upset and the let's fire Bill O'Brien stuff that we've been uh, dealing with on the radio and podcasts and, and, and uh, social media. I, I don't think we've talked enough about how great Dallas Turner was last week. He was fantastic. I think he really turned a corner and he did it against a quality SEC opponent. I think Dallas Turner became a guy capable of being your starting outside linebacker, even at an Alabama, even though he's a true freshman, just an aggressive high end athlete, uh, sort of a do it all guy. Will Anderson is such a good pass rusher. I'm not going to compare Dallas to Will as a pass rusher, but just as an all around guy that gives you everything at outside linebacker, drop it in coverage, play in the run, making plays in the tackle box, making plays, outside the tackle box, rushing the passer. He, he can do it all. It's amazing uh, what, what kind of player he is. I think one interesting thing, we'll spend our pods, our, our Bama on three show next spring, Clint is talking about how can we get Will Anderson, Drew Sanders, and Dallas Turner on the field at the same time? <laughs> because it's going gonna, it's gonna to be almost dumb to take one of them off the field. And, uh, but anyway, we'll, we'll deal with that next spring. No, it's uh, a great point. Yeah, but I think Drew Sanders and, and his availability will be interesting. Defensively, Alabama played pretty well against LSU. Uh, New Mexico State's not much of a challenge. You know, if I'm Pete Golding and I'm talking to my defense Friday or Saturday morning, uh, this is what I, I challenge them to shut out New Mexico State. I challenge them to shut up. You know, hey, you want to be an elite defense? You think you're good? You, you, you want to prove yourself? There needs to be a zero on that scoreboard. Uh, for New Mexico State, they shouldn't score. And, and I would challenge the defense to no scores less than 150 yards. I'd set the goals really high and play to a standard regardless of opponent. And offensively, yeah, the center position is really fascinating, uh, Clint, because of the Seth McLaughlin talk. Look, I, I think if Darian Dalcourt is healthy in practice today, it's Thursday as we record this, if Darian Dalcourt is healthy today, I'm sure we will see Darren Dalcourt starting at center. Uh, he didn't lose his starting job because he wasn't playing well. He lost. He wasn't out there because he was hurt. If he's healthy, I think he's playing and he's the center. If he's not healthy, it sounds like Seth McLaughlin will be the center. And that'll be a lot of fun because he's brand new. Uh, I get excited about this. The people that know me might think it's the opposite. I'm so into recruiting and I'm such a recruit uh, nerd that, yeah, I get excited about the five stars. I've known Evan Neal. I've known of Evan Neal since he was in the 10th grade. Uh, I, I've known of the Brockermeyer brothers for a long time. We have all these highly recruited five-star type offensive linemen. Terrence Ferguson, you know, another guy who's redshirting, is just a big-time recruit. Uh, yeah, I know all those guys. I get excited about them because I'm a recruit guy. But what really actually excites me, Clint, is when a three-star – that I wondered if our head was screwed on straight when we took him. You know, when we took a Seth McLaughlin, I'm sure I don't remember where I was or the day, but I can imagine myself when we took Seth McLaughlin uh, questioning it, not questioning it like criticizing, questioning like, huh, are we, are we sure this guy's good enough for one of our spots? And then watching the tape and trying to 
sell him on my, you know, sell him on myself, you know, as to why he was a take. Uh, I'm sure I did. And when those kids develop into starters, I, I'm so happy for them. I think it's a great evaluation by our coaches who can have almost anyone they want. And then they go pick a guy who, who isn't a five star, who isn't on everyone's offer list. And they end up right uh, that, 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 hey, this kid really is something. And uh, so, yeah, I'll be excited to see Seth McLaughlin as a redshirt freshman uh, start in, in just year two. Uh, he, he does, while he doesn't look like an SEC badass lineman, he does check a lot of boxes for centers who happen to be good players. And I'm not comparing him directly to Bradley Bozeman because I think they're different. But at the same time, he's like Bradley Bozeman, a three-star, a gump, a kid who really wanted to be here, a kid who works his ass off, a kid with great intangibles. Uh, and Bradley Bozeman ended up a multiple-year starter and an all-SEC player, and he's playing tonight on Thursday night football against the Dolphins. So uh, hopefully Seth McLaughlin can follow in the Bozeman's footsteps and be a kid like him. Well, we, we've seen Alabama develop three-star offensive linemen quite a bit. I mean, you know, granted, when you're getting five stars and four stars, there are going to be a lot of times where that's your that's your lineup right there. You know, it's going to be nothing but five and four stars. But you do have three stars. I mean, if you look back historically, you know, you're talking about Chance Warmack. He was a three-star. Anthony Steen. You know, you got uh, Bradley Bozeman, like you mentioned. Uh, there are plenty of players who have been lowly rated guys who have come in, earned starting jobs after, you know, taking some time to develop a little bit, and they've ended up being pretty good players. And if you remember back, I think both Anthony Steen and Chance Warmack, at least for a portion of the 2010 season, were starters as redshirt freshmen. And Seth McLaughlin, and I, I'm, I'm terrible at saying McLaughlin, uh, by the way. Uh, it's one of those things. Some people just can't pronounce name, certain names. I've realized as I said it, you know, on, on the radio, I've been on a couple of radio shows, went to say it, realize I can't say it well. I get hung up every time. So I'm probably just going to call him Seth moving forward. Not meant to disrespect, but if you hear the word Seth, that's McLaughlin. See, when I slow it down, I can do it. But, you know, I, the coaching staff, they see something in some of these guys and they realize, you know, Damian George, we're talking about him. You know, we're excited about him being the starting right tackle. Why can't you be excited about, you know, Seth starting at center? You know, both are three-star guys and that, that will be kind of strange two of Alabama's five starting offensive linemen potentially on Saturday could be three-star prospects, but the coaching staff, they see the guys that they want. And, you know, as far as the five stars and the four stars, and they get a lot of the guys they want that are highly rated, but then they see some diamonds in the rough and they see some long-term developmental guys and some guys that other people are sleeping on and they bring them in too, because, Hey, you got the transfer portal. And so having those guys that maybe don't have the expectations going in as a five-star or a highly rated four-star um, you know, you end up or you're able to keep those guys a little bit longer, but also, you know, you end up hitting on some of those guys. And Alabama's been able to do that. You know, uh, Matt Womack was another one uh, ended up being a starter for a year. Granted, you know, he ended up getting benched his senior year, uh, was a valuable depth piece at right tackle and right guard during his senior year. But, um, you know, Alabama's had some success finding a starter, you know, with him as well. So it's just there's no reason to look at his stars and think, you know, oh, this is terrible. You know, Alabama's in a terrible position. The season's over. I saw people on Twitter uh, way, way overreacting to that news. And, and for me, it's something different. And, you know, I understand with these young guys, you are wanting them to develop, and you're wanting to make sure that they know what they're doing before you put them on the football field. 
because you know the mistakes that that Chris Owens is going to make. You know those mistakes. You're comfortable with that. You know that he knows what he's doing. He might not have the physical capabilities to get the job done on a snap in snap out basis, but you at least know that he's not going to cause any catastrophic issues. A young guy, as good as he might be, sometimes those guys take time to develop, and sometimes that you know you put them out there and they're not ready. And you know the bad things ended up happen, uh, end up happening. Um, and then sometimes you throw guys out there and you try something out. You know Texas A and M, they ended up going with uh, you know some young offensive linemen against Alabama. Everybody thought you know doing that against a, 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 an offense or excuse me a defense like Alabama's that was going to cause them a lot of issues. And both of those guys ended up performing extremely well. And from you know what I know, they're both still in the lineup today. They found solutions to their offensive line through injuries and maybe Alabama will too, but it's exciting. It's something different. It's something that we don't know. Uh, and I'm excited to see where he's at. And if we see that he struggles, Seth struggles, if he ends up being the starter, we'll have an answer. Hey, we've seen the guy that's behind Darian Dalcourt. Dalcourt's definitely the guy, you know, if Damian George gets out there and he's just absolutely awful against New Mexico state, you look and you say, okay, you know, Chris Owens needs to be put out back out there and maybe Alabama fans will have a little bit more appreciation for him. So you know, there's positives to this, um, and I'm just curious to see how it ends up working out. But, yeah, I, th- I think for me, the two biggest things against New Mexico State that I'm looking at is Alabama's pass rush. You know, when you look historically, uh, when Alabama has had dominant defenses, and I've talked about this on the show a couple times, they've had multiple players who were problems up front defensively. The offensive line had to account for a lot of guys, and I think that, you know, Will Anderson's been that guy. You know, I think Fadiria Mathis has become a very, very solid complimentary piece that that opposing offenses have to pay attention to. And now if you're getting a guy like Dallas Turner and you're getting Drew Sanders back and, and that combination could be a problem, you might have, you know, three guys. And that's where you start getting Alabama's defense performing extremely well. I think the linebacker play has improved dramatically. I don't think that's a coincidence that the defensive line's playing better and the linebackers are playing better. They're getting more free flow to the football they're able to do their job a little bit more consistently. They're not having offensive linemen get up to the next level as often, and, and they're having a stack and shed necessarily as much. They get to run and flow, and I think it's making the defense overall a lot better. That's right. Uh, Christian Harris and uh, Toho Toho both, I think, have played really well two, three weeks in a row. It's still not perfect. There's still problems. There's still errors. Um, but, but, you know, for instance, I think, you know, uh, in pass coverage, uh, those two, particularly Christian Harris, may have not had his absolute best game of his career last week, but overall, Christian Harris played really well. Toe toe caused a, a, a turnover, and you know uh, they're, they're both just playing better. And, and I agree, the defensive line's better, particularly Mathis. But it sure would be great if another defensive lineman stepped up alongside Mathis and and became a disruptive force. Still waiting on Tim Smith to become that guy. Byron Young. He flashes. I bet at least once a game, mm-hmm. Byron Young does something that makes you go, "Wow, that's good." But then, then that's it. <laughs> then that's all we see. I mean, uh, it's just not consistent snap to snap. But uh, he'll flash. And Oboigby's had a, a very, very quiet fall. DJ Dale was a staff player of the week once. Hadn't heard much from him since. Uh, LeBron Ray, obviously coming off yet another injury. Uh, he's flashed at times, but. Uh, we still need more big plays out of a defensive lineman other than Mathis, but they are playing better as a group. The the inside guys are playing better as a group. The outside guys are as good as anybody in the country. Even after losing Chris Allen, our outside linebacker duo has been as good as anyone, uh, first with Drew, now with Dallas Turner. 
And I think the secondary has been fairly good. You know, I'll tell you what, Jordan Battle sort of saved the game last week. You pointed out on Twitter, you had a really good, smart tweet about how Jordan Battle's been playing better the last two or three games. And, and some other a person in response pointed out to you that Jordan saved the game with this tackle of, uh, of, of, of Davis Price or Price Davis. I, I'll always get the hyphenated names reversed. Um, <laughs> but uh, Jordan sort of saved the day. Uh, with that tackle, but you know what? It's I think almost uh, almost a snippet, one play uh, as as sort of a, a, a macro play of the whole season. It's a fourth and one, and we we play it pretty well. And I think we've got the dude tackled at the line of scrimmage, and we might stop it. But an inside linebacker and Jordan Battle sort of over pursued, took a bad angle, and let him pop through the line of scrimmage really Jordan sort of made a bad play initially he just turned around uses good hips to recover and run the back down and save the touchdown so it's kind of like well if that doesn't describe Alabama's defense in a single play they sort of screwed it up but then played well enough to save the day literally keeping them out of the end zone and then having a pretty good what amounts to a goal line stand you know, started at the eight-yard line, but four plays not letting them advance beyond uh, the five-yard line was really impressive. So, but it began with a screw-up. So it's just so like, wow, there, there's Alabama football for you in 2021 right there. Played bad, played dumb, made a, made a bad mistake, yet made up for it. Here we are, eight and one and number two in the country. Uh, wouldn't be if Jordan Battle hadn't, uh, hadn't chased him down. If they score a touchdown there and kick that extra point. Clint, I give our offense uh, one chance in a hundred of uh, of finding points at the end to win that game. If LSU had scored, I think that would have been that. So, uh, you know, this this weekend, it, it's not going to be a test on the scoreboard, but I think there are individual plays and individual tests on the field which can make us a better team, and we'll need to be because Arkansas is going to be a hell of a challenge. Auburn will be a super challenge. I think I, I've already asked. If not, I'll ask again. I mean. If, if you don't think that's a challenge, who's who's the number three team? If, Al, if Alabama's number two is number three right now, and then Oregon, Oregon's three, right? Correct. If, if Oregon played at Auburn this weekend, who wins? This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Oh, I think it would be a toss-up for me. In fact, I wouldn't even say it's a toss-up. I'd feel pretty confident that Auburn could win that football game. I'll tell you that right now. I really do. Then, then this must be one. It's not just voodoo, people. It's partly voodoo. <laughs> it's partly that. But the fact of the matter is, if you're not Georgia, Auburn at Auburn is a challenge for anyone, not just Alabama, Oregon, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Cincinnati. Would any of those teams win at Auburn? Don't be so sure. So, well, I mean, Arkansas- you just watch Michigan State go into Purdue and get beat. Yep. And I, I actually view. You know, Auburn, everybody keeps talking about how Michigan State's loss to Purdue is, is a better look than Alabama's loss to Texas A&M, which I completely disagree with. But I view sure. 
Purdue a lot more similarly to an Auburn than I do a Texas A&M. You know, Auburn's a, a still a very good football team, and having to go to Purdue is tough. Having to go to Jordan-Hare is tough. And so, you know, you're talking about Michigan State, who is considered a top, you know, seven team in the country. That's exactly what happened. So you're right. A lot of these top ten teams will struggle going to Jordan-Hare Stadium. That's right. So, so Arkansas is a big challenge. Auburn's a hell of a challenge for Alabama or anyone. You win those two, and then you get the matchup with Georgia. You've been hoping to get ever since the A&M loss. That's the game that can erase the A&M loss and get you in the playoff. But uh, again, uh, let's just get out of New Mexico State healthy, uh, a little more confident in spots, and confident that we finally have the five offensive linemen, confident that, all right, we have finally put together our best offensive line uh, in whatever combination that is. Uh, I think we do that uh, and get ready for Arkansas. Uh, maybe maybe then we can play our best football of the season. What people's got to understand this weekend with, with Damian George, and I don't think that New Mexico State's going to be able to exploit it. I bet he looks pretty good against New Mexico State. It will probably be more important to evaluate this if he hangs on to the job for Arkansas, and that's assuming that he does start at right tackle. You know, I'm, I'm pretty much already making that assumption. I could be wrong. It could still be Chris Owens. I'm told. I'll say on the podcast, I'm told that that's going to be the case. Uh, now, my source is not Nick Saban, so. Right. No, but, <laughs> but the, and, I'm and you, told that it's Damian George. And you you took me from like an 80% to like a 98% as far as my confidence meter on that. I just thought, he, you know, the way that Nick Saban, you know, singled him out specifically after the game, he talked about him a little bit on Monday during his press conference. I just thought with the way things are trending, and you know, especially with with the status of of Darian Dalcourt, you know, up in the air, I thought at the at the most, Damian George is going to start at right tackle, and Chris Owens is going to start again at center. Now, we're, of course, we're all assuming now that Chris Owens is not going to start at center. But uh, you know what? What I'll say about Damian George that people need to pay attention to against Arkansas is that. He is a very young player. With Chris Owens, his mistakes, I just don't think he's ever going to improve from those. I mean, he's been doing this for six. This is his sixth year. He was part of the 2016 recruiting class, if you can believe it. Every time I go back to to link to his, uh, his on three profile, I got to go all the way back to 2016 to grab Chris Owens. Um, and, you know, so he's been around a while. Class. He signed with Jalen Hurts. That is astonishing to me. Um, <laughs> that is just crazy. But that's, you know, extra COVID year, red shirt. You know, you start racking some of that stuff up. But what he is is what he is. Damian George is not a finished product. So if you see him struggling against Arkansas, don't throw your hands up and say, you know, uh, th- this guy isn't any better. This is a guy that I think can get better. He's not right. going – he wasn't perfect against LSU. You know, there were, some, there were some issues. And let me tell you, some of those issues can be very costly. And, and I'm not, you know, the, it could be a play that this is what fans want. They want to throw one of these other guys out there, try something different, trial by fire. And if you're going to do that, don't expect him to get thrown out there and be perfect. You are going to see mistakes at some point from Damian George. If he is the, the starting right tackle for the remainder of this season. I can promise you that. But what you're hoping for is to see steady improvement. And hopefully by the time Auburn uh, rolls around, by the time Georgia rolls around, He's been able to get a couple of more games under his belt, and he's been able to work through some of those growing pains, and he's at least ready enough to significantly improve the production from that position um, because going to Jordan Hare, that's going to be tough. But, you know, and, and same for Seth, you know, there at center. If he ends up being the starter this weekend, you know, I don't really foresee New Mexico State causing him any trouble, but Arkansas up front uh, defensively, especially that nose tackle they have, the guy's incredible. He's a very, you know, tough interior presence. 
that's going to be a tough test for for Seth and, and anybody that's starting at center. And so you got to expect him to have some struggles, but he should be able to come out of that game better. So just give this offensive line some time if they start making some tweaks and some changes, and we'll see where everything ends up. But, I mean, what we do know is that what they've had has not been working, and it's not getting better. And, you know, that I, I respect Alabama for taking this opportunity to make some changes, and we'll just kind of have to see how it turns out. You know, is there anything else as far as what you well, want to see this weekend? I guess it's just now sort of hit me about, you know, Georgia's not on the schedule, and who knows, we may not get to Georgia if we don't handle business against Arkansas and Auburn. But, Seth, <laughs> I'd be excited to see Seth tomorrow. And I know he'd be out there because Darian's hurt, and that's important. We do need Dalcourt back because if we do play Georgia, I mean, I like Seth, and I think Seth could be a two- or three-year starter for Alabama at center. But here's what I don't want to see, and I'm just being honest here. I don't want to see Seth McLaughlin attempt to block Jordan Davis. I don't want to even see that one time. I That would be – I you know, I – you know, I'm not going to walk up to, let's say, Mike Tyson and punch him in the face. Uh, it, what, what would happen would look a lot like Seth McLaughlin trying to block Jordan Davis. <laughs> it, 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 it's, he's not ready for that. Not that most humans are, but we'll need Dalcourt back to give us a chance against that beast. And frankly, at right tackle, I'm going to go the other way around. You know, if you're at right tackle, you're probably blocking, let's say, uh, Nolan Smith. Uh, I've seen, and I don't want to see Chris Owens try to block Nolan Smith. I, I, I don't think that would work out really well uh, for us because I've seen that's he's just over Chris's head. Now, Nolan's going to whip Damian George too because he's so quick, but Damian at least can overpower even an NFL, a uh, guy bound for the NFL, Damian's power is outstanding. So Damian will beat him some of the time once he squares up and using proper technique and using his power. Uh, Chris Owens is just going to get beat. I, I, I know that's just too negative, and hopefully Chris doesn't listen to the show, but I, I just uh, I, I would not be just I'm not optimistic about Seth versus Jordan Davis. I'm not optimistic about Chris Owens versus whatever front seven guy George has got in front of him. But I do think Dalcourt at center and Damian George gives us a chance. So that's the offensive line I personally want to see speaking for myself. And with Damian George, you know, I saw somebody yesterday. First of all, I forget his name. Um, and I'm not going to call him out by name, I don't guess. People know who I'm talking about, but probably one of the most negative Alabama fans I've ever met in my entire life. When the guy's commenting on anything of mine, it's negative. And it's 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 not him attacking me. It's him attacking players and coaches and they suck, and this guy's terrible. And one thing that he said yesterday was how slow and sluggish Damian George looks coming out of his stance. He, he plays more like a guard. And, you know, I, what I'll say to that is go back and watch Orlando Brown Jr. for Oklahoma. There's a reason the guy ran like a 5'6 or a 5'7'40 at the combine. He's not very athletic, and yet he was a three- or four-year starter for a very good offensive line for a very good offense, and he was the, the left tackle protecting the blind side. For a couple of years and, and the reason being is you don't have to have super quick feet when you're six 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 seven and and you have the the length that you need to you, you can take less steps and orlando brown jr when you watch him play he's one of those guys that he's not going to wow you you know coming out of his pass sets and, and you know all that stuff but 
when he gets his hands on you, you're blocked. You know, there's there's no such thing as getting around him. And and Orlando Brown Jr. gets beat some too. Don't get me wrong, he's he gets beat on the NFL level. He did he got beat at Oklahoma some. And and speed can cause him some issues, and it can cause Damian George some issues as well. But speed uh, speed causes Chris Owens issues. It, it's caused him issues all year. Um, you know, and he's a lot smaller. He's a lot leaner, a lot more athletic. Uh, and he also can't handle power. And Damian George, I guarantee you, he can handle power. So you know, I mean, it's just. People expect perfection, and they expect Alex Leatherwood and Jedrick Wills and, and Evan Neal. And because that's kind of become the norm for Alabama in recent years, and really for a very long time, if you could date back to, to Cam Robinson and a lot of, you know, Jonah Williams and Andre Smith and, you know, I, you know Cyrus Quanjo and all those guys, um, Alabama's been very fortunate to have a lot of good tackles and that don't have a lot of, uh, you know, uh, liabilities or, or, or weaknesses. And Damian George, he'll probably, you know, he will struggle with speed at times, but I think what he's going to give you overall is very good offensive tackle play. And, you know, to me, I think before it's all said and done, he could be very DJ Fluker-esque. DJ Fluker was fairly athletic for a big man, but he was not nearly as athletic as Evan Neal. And, you know, he still was a first-round pick. And, you know, and now he's gotten kicked inside since getting to the NFL. He played right tackle for a while, but they ended up moving him inside because he couldn't handle the speed on the NFL level, but he ended up handling it well at Alabama. You might see something similar with Damian George, but let's not count this guy out because he was a three-star prospect. He was raw, and he needed some some fine-tuning and some development, and from a technique standpoint, he still needs to get there, but very good player. Okay, and then, you know, let's talk a little bit about one other thing that I would like to see, and, you know, and it's, it's a little bit related to the offensive line. You cannot be one-dimensional against Georgia. You cannot do it. You've got to fix your offensive line. You've got to be able to establish the run game. And I don't think you can be one-dimensional against Arkansas. You know, when Arkansas, you know, uh, this uh, John Ridgeway guy who played at Illinois State, he transferred into Arkansas. He's been playing nose tackle for them, zero technique, been playing extremely well. And if you're, you know, Alabama's interior offensive line, you know, Auburn's got some good interior players, but, you know, in a three-week period, if, if they end up making the SEC championship, they might have to play John Ridgeway and, and uh, Jordan Davis for Georgia in just a three-week span. You've got to be able to establish the run. And if you allow Arkansas here in a couple of weeks to control the line of scrimmage with three players, they're going to have success against you defensively because that plays right into what it is that they want to do. So I think for this weekend, you're going against New Mexico State who have you know one of the worst run defenses in the country. I think they're ranked just inside the top 100, but they're giving up you know close to 175 yards a game. I think that uh, Alabama really needs to get back to having a dominant run game and putting that on tape, even if it is against New Mexico State. That's right. Uh, there's no excuse not to have a big game on the ground, particularly when you have to prove yourself after last week. One of the worst rushing efforts in the history of Alabama football, not just in the Saban dynasty era, era, but one of the worst games on the ground in Alabama football history. So you better make up for it, and New Mexico State's the right opponent for that. It would be nice to see Brian Robinson with a 100-yard game. I think that's something that's very possible and something that we could see. Uh, be nice to see Roy Dale Williams get significant snaps, see Trey Sanders get in the game. That would all be great. But, yeah, the running game has to be present to give yourself a chance against Auburn, to give yourself a chance against Georgia. Absolutely. And looking back at, you know, Arkansas, one of the big reasons that they got absolutely dominated by Georgia was that Georgia was able to run against their three-man front. And Alabama ran against Ole Miss's three-man front, and they made them pay for the way that they schemed against them. Um, and that's why I say, you know, John Ridgway is playing good football right now. I think it's going to be a little bit tougher, 
than it than Georgia had running, you know, between the tackles um, with him in there controlling both a gaps like he's been able to do. But you know, Alabama has to be able to establish a run game if they want to have success against Arkansas. So run game is very important. It, it starts this week and just getting it right, and then the following three weeks. You know, I don't think you can go into Jordan Hare Stadium and put everything on on Bryce Young's shoulders. I think you need to have success success on the ground against Georgia. Obviously, you can't be one dimensional. You need to have success on the ground. So once this week's over against New Mexico State, the run game has to be a part of Alabama's offense. You can't have another six yard rushing game or thirty yards rushing or forty yards rushing. You need to be able to have a, a run game that threatens defenses. Yeah, you'll lose. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, tomorrow doesn't matter. I mean, sa- yes, sa- uh, Saturday doesn't matter. Uh, but if you if you rush for six yards against Arkansas or Auburn, you will lose. That that's just flat out true. A true a truth. The six yard rushing game needs to be flushed and forever forgotten. You can't repeat it, or or you lose the game. But hey, you know, uh, one guy I'm really excited about for Saturday. I'm really confident is Bryce Young. What can he accomplish? I think he can accomplish a lot Saturday. What I would preach is big plays, but efficiency. Yes, hit the big throws, have the highlight play that they show on on SEC final, on SEC network, you know, the the long pass to J-Mo, the long pass to Mechie, the run and catch to Mechie, and he scores from 70, 80 yards. Yes, have those plays because they're an important part of your Heisman campaign. But more importantly to me, uh, I would like to see him go something like, uh, let's say, 12 out of 15, 13 out of 16, something highly efficient, no bad plays, all good decisions. It doesn't have to be one deep ball after deep ball after deep ball. It has to be efficient. That will produce the highlight plays because I assure you of this, I don't know New Mexico State's defensive backs. I'll just go ahead and bet my million dollars they don't have one that runs as fast as Jameson Williams. He, he will make a big play, and he will score because they can't run with him. Bryce, be efficient in getting the ball to those guys, and you will have Heisman-worthy numbers. I remember you, you said something similar. Uh, it wasn't in the Mercer game. It was for the, the Southern Miss game. And you said you wanted to see efficient numbers from Bryce Young, and he went 20 of 22 for over 300 yards and five touchdowns. And that was way beyond what either one of us thought he was going to do. When we meant efficient, we didn't mean that. But that's the kind of yards per attempt and, and you know, throwing, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if he threw for three touchdowns on, you know, 15 attempts, um, you know, or something like that. I don't expect to, you know, if he gets to 22, 24, 25 attempts, I think maybe that will be a little bit more by design, not necessarily because the game's reflecting and forcing him to do that. But, you know, one thing that I want to see from him this weekend, starting this weekend, but really moving forward, he has been so good at understanding pre-snap and even post-snap where he needs to go with the football. I didn't see that as well against LSU. We talk about the offensive line. It wasn't just the offensive line. You know, I thought from a, you know, it was, it was a collective effort to cause what we saw. You know, the, the, the running backs didn't protect well either. It wasn't just the offensive line. You also saw that Bryce Young didn't always understand or know where he needed to go with the football, and I would like to see that a little bit more. Get back to what you were doing before, and granted, there was just one game. You know, I've gone back and looked at some of the other stuff, and, and even as recently as Tennessee, he has a very good understanding of when people are blitzing him and they're sending different looks at him. He understands where his hot reads are, where he needs to go, and I just want to see that with a little bit more consistency uh, moving forward because that's very, very important. LSU threw a lot of new stuff at Alabama's defense, and that caused a lot of confusion and frustration 
And I just felt like that Bryce Young got a little bit flustered and he didn't, you know, and with, and I think that was a lack of, you know, confidence in his protection too. I think that played into it as well, but just getting confident in that stuff again and then understanding where it is that you need to go with the football. So, uh, Jim, you got anything else? Uh, I'm, I'm just ready to, to, to play and win this game. And I, I think uh, I'm going to go big here. And, uh, you know, I, my predictions, I, I'm not right all the time. I, you know, I was half right last week. I said LSU would score 14. Now, I had Alabama, I think, at 52. That was a little off. Just a little bit. It wasn't too bad. I missed, I missed on Alabama, but I'll say I got I was 50% right. Uh, so I take the predictions real serious uh, every week. It's never a joke. To me, I put a lot of thought into it, and I actually look at numbers, Alabama's numbers, New Mexico State's numbers. Uh, I, I think Alabama wins this game 63-0. to 63-0. to zero. That's right. Oh, boy. Man. You know what? I, I, I like what you said about Alabama's defense really wanting to keep a goose egg up there. I, I do think, that, granted, I, I'm going to say that, that New Mexico State puts up some kind of points. Sure. Um, I'm going to say... 56 to three. I won't quite go as high as, you know, I think the line is 55 and I don't think Alabama covers. I'll okay. say 56, three, they win by 53 points and they barely don't care. That's a lot of points. And I could, you know, I could see Nick Saban and them calling the dogs off, but I do think they will be very efficient offensively. Um, I think there'll probably be one drive and I, I could see it being, you know, somewhere in the, the third quarter where they start to give up. You know, they start getting some of their death guys in there and they give up a couple of big plays and, and New Mexico State kicks field goal to get on the scoreboard. You know, I could see something like that. Hopefully it doesn't happen, but I like where your head's at and I do think that'll be the goal. You know, defensively, there's not a whole lot to prove against New Mexico State. The only thing you can do is make the statement, you, you know, you, can help, you can't really help yourself too much, but you could certainly hurt yourself. If you give up four, even 14 points, if you allow them to have two scoring drives, this whole idea of Alabama's defense moving in the right direction that's going to be completely gone. Um, nobody's going to be talking about that anymore. So, Jimmy, as always, I appreciate you hopping on here with me. That This will probably be the last episode of the week, so we'll have to get back next week and start talking about Arkansas, and we'll review what happened in the game and you know how some of these guys that we've been talking about performed, what are maybe some things they can do. So that's going to be fun. Um, that's going to be you know some huge talking points because once you get past New Mexico State, Arkansas, Auburn, and potentially – Georgia, uh, it's going to be a gauntlet if Alabama wants to make it back to the college football playoffs. So, Jimmy, as always, I appreciate you hopping on here with me, brother. Roll Tide. Absolutely. All right, that's going to do it for yet another episode of the Bama on 3 show. I'm your host, Clint Lamb. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. 
Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-424-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.